This is Hitting the Mark. Conversations with founders about the intersection of brand clarity and startup success. With your host, brand strategist and author, Fabian Geierhalter. Like someone buys into a universe and they want to have pride in that universe and what it tells the world about them when they buy into that universe. And so when I think about Amsam, I'm like the universe that someone aligns themselves with when they buy Amsam is this like belief and vision in a proud and loud Asian American world where like Asian Americans aren't quiet and docile and silenced, but celebrated. And that's, that's like, that's the Amsam brand. This was Kim Pham, a first-generation Vietnamese-American, daughter of refugees, and now, together with her sister Vanessa, the co-owners of Amsam, the loud and proud Asian food brand of noodles and sauces, already ranking very high on my top favorite interviews ever. When founders start with a why and figure out the how and the what in the process, that's when you know great brand stories are in the making. But before we dive in, I'd like to invite you to give back to the show and or make me your mentor this year. Learn more at patreon.com slash hitting the mark. And now, without further ado, over to my super inspiring conversation with Kim. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm 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 already I'm already having a blast just uh, in our little warm up conversation here. So, <laughs> so you and your sister are um, first generation Vietnamese Americans. You're daughters of refugees, and you are now the co owners of Omsum, uh, the loud yeah. and proud Asian food brand of noodles and sauces and all kinds of things in the future. Um, how did this journey to entrepreneurship begin? I mean, where did you see the market opportunity? Were you like sitting in the kitchen or was it super strategic? Like how, <laughs> how did this how did this happen? I love that it's binary. It's like you're either in the kitchen or it's strategic. That's really it. Um, or maybe both. <laughs> how about both at the same time? I mean, you're a food company. Um, I guess to be honest with you, it's Opsom is really born from Vanessa and I's lived experiences as daughters of refugees and as first-generation Vietnamese-American women. Um, kind of a quick quick background. Uh, yeah, Vanessa and I were born in a town just south of Boston to refugee parents um, who emigrated to the U.S. post-1975. Um, and we grew up in a town that was 98% white. And so growing up, I think, had a lot of internalized feelings of shame and being other as it relates to our identity. And we, we very much carried that that shame with us well into kind of our young adult years. And I think, you know, something happened around the 2016 election where her and I just took a hard look at the world and we're like, oof, it just, it's not feeling good. And, mm -hmm. and how can we kind of create change, you know, even in, in a small way in our lane. And, and that really kind of mirrored our own reclamation and celebration of our own identities. And so Amsam was really born from this mission of, being proud and loud about being a third culture Asian American. And we had no idea it was going to look like cooking sauces and noodles, but we broadly knew that we wanted to reclaim and celebrate Asian flavors and Asian stories. And so that was the North Star with which we quit our jobs. I was working in venture capital in Europe. Vanessa was working in consulting um, here in New York. And we just knew that we wanted to throw our weight behind a mission that really felt like core to us and, and our family legacy, frankly. 
Um, and then, yeah, then started kind of all the fun stuff, which was like, all right, cool. We know we want to do Asian flavors, but like, what does that mean? And so we spent a ton of time doing customer research, you know, talking to our friends, figuring out the competitive market. But ultimately, Omsom is a labor of love. Um, it is us creating the world that we want to see and and very much using a company as a vehicle for that change. Okay, Kim, I'm going to stop you right there. We're three minutes into this into this interview, and I am completely mind blown. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, like starting starting this based on based on the mission about individuality, and and you know, and and not starting because hey, I've got this idea. There's this there's this market, um, you know, uh, niche that we can fill, and this and that. Um, really going backwards, but but starting with your fist in the air, um, but not as a nonprofit in any way, but but just because of you know because of because of representation and and feeling like there there needs to be there is a voice inside of both of you that needs to be heard, and how bold to just quit your job and say, well, let's do something. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny that you say that. I mean, yeah, we talk a lot about how you know I think. The way that a lot of startups are founded today, it's like, all right, you know, there are these trends and there's this like intersecting, you know, white space. And, and, and I love that. And I, and I almost, you know, sometimes I'm like, maybe those people are smarter than us. Um, but, you know, Amazon was really born mission first. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's both a, a blessing and a curse in many ways, because we've definitely had to learn a lot of business fundamentals as we've gone. Thankfully, you know, Vanessa and I have have a decent enough background between tech and VC and, and consulting. Um, but it really was like, where is our heart? And, and I think that returning to that, returning to our values time and time again, um, has just proven to be the way for us. Were you venture backed or was that just your own money? So when we, we were bootstrapped for the first, like I'd say two years. And by that, I wow. mean, it was, it was my, it was my bank account <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how fun! How fun! It. I know how it feels. Um, I'm going through the same thing right now. It's yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a good. You know, you really distill. Um, you really learn how to distill. Uh, mm -hmm. But we then raise a small kind of friends and family round, and then a pre-seed, and now you know we we do have investors in our corner just because building a CPG business is so capitally intensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in in the early days, it was very much just Vanessa and I working on Oms on nights and weekends. Just trying to figure out, like, did did we have something that had legs? Yeah. Um, and I think, thankfully, we we did. Yeah, yeah, you did. And I love how you craft um, all of your products and most of your products in partnership with iconic yeah. Asian chefs, right? You you call them tastemakers. Um, yeah. But but you pay, and it makes so much sense after this intro, right? Why you do this? But I love how you pay them a royalty fee rather than a flat fee for their work because it's not only is it is it is it, is it a cool concept, but it shows how you value them as creatives, right? As artists, and and how much you value their contributions. How how did that come about? This this concept um, of not creating your own flavors, which I'm sure you could have done, right? Um, <laughs> but but but. Go, is it community? Is it more about the same idea of empowerment? Yeah. I mean, to be completely honest with you, that was built into our business model day one. Cool. I think Vanessa and I as individuals have long been frustrated with appropriation of Asian flavors and, and stories. And we were just like, you know, yes, we're Vietnamese and, you know, we have cooked a lot of Asian food and we love Asian food and it's really important to us, but it, it's not our place to be telling you how to eat Korean flavors or Japanese flavors or Filipino flavors. 
And so we knew that from the jump, we couldn't treat Asian flavors as a monolith. We mm -hmm. couldn't treat Asian people or communities as a monolith. And that the only way we were going to build a company with cultural integrity was to involve these folks every step of the way from the jump. And so we knew then right, we got to go talk to amazing Asian chefs who probably share the same vision of us of, you know, wanting to build products that like honored our heritage and our motherlands while also making room for these creatives to tell a unique third culture story of like, there is no one way to eat Asian or Asian American food. And so let's make it an individual story and bring in these amazing chefs who have deep roots um, in these flavors and then also pay them equitably. Like also that was something Vanessa and I had been frustrated as frustrated with as individuals. And so we're really like, when I say I'm building the company of my dreams, that's not a tagline. That's not a fluffy founder thing. Like I'm really, really trying as hard as I can within capitalism to build something that feels aligned um, with my heart. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how the tastemakers came about. Yeah, I love I love that. It's 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 really it's really beautiful. And then of course there is um there's that nice ripple effect that the more people you get involved early on, they all have their own audiences and it starts spreading. Yeah. Which was not really the intent, but it was an it was an obvious side effect, which is um, you know, obviously very nice for for a startup to to have kind of <laughs> like more of that community and more of that snowball effect yeah. early on. Very, very cool. You are you're a very design driven brand. That's actually how I how I got to know Amsam. It just it just pops out right it creates immediate visual interest in um in a sea of sameness right like all of those typical stereotypes right uh, you had a whole mm -hmm. post about it bamboo fonts dragons pandas right, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so your design though um and for, for anyone listening uh immediately check it out um at omsom.com um The design is is bold, it's spicy, it's loud, and it and it perfectly reflects what the name means, which is noisy and unruly. Um, you have you have a melted version of your logo, which I didn't even realize in the beginning. And last night I realized it and I'm like, this is so cool. I'm like, this is just the background. I'm like, no, no, no. It's a hot, spicy, melted version of the logo. It's so cool. Yeah. Um, the, the colors, right? They're inspired by by Southeast Asian fruits and veggies, mandarin, ginger, banana flower, et cetera. Um, walk us through. Um, I mean, now, you know, just spending 10 minutes with you, I, I fully understand how everything is extremely intentional. Um, Walk us through how you got from from the the idea of the brand to realizing this idea in your visual brand image because it obviously it's it's rooted in the mantra of being loud and proud but yeah. it's it's hard to do that so maybe you can talk us to, walk us through a little bit of how how it came about yeah so funnily enough and this is actually not a story we talk about often um yay i like that called something <laughs> else so before we launched um and i i'm the chief brand officer at omsom and, and creative director before we had launched omsom we actually had built a whole visual identity around a brand at the time we were calling oxtail o-x-t-a-l-e <laughs> and that name meant a lot to me because oxtail is an ingredient oftentimes used in vietnamese pho mm -hmm. and i love the t-a-l-e because i believe food is a carrier of of narratives and of stories mm -hmm. and we we really loved it and then we started kind of shopping it around and talking to folks and they're like when i hear oxtail i think it's going to be a jerky company and so that for me was a very kind of like rude awakening and you know you might be married to a brand and a brand name but it has to live out in the real world yeah. um and so 
literally months before we launched, we we're like, oh shit, we oh got my God. Like, <laughs> completely scrap this and build something from scratch. And so that was a really fun challenge for me as a creative of like, I had been so married to something, you know, but I, you know, maybe this is an opportunity for me to really recenter in like our ethos and like our heart. And when I thought about Omsom, which, you know, didn't even know the company name, but when I thought about what Vanessa and I were trying to build, we were trying to build something proud and loud and a little bit of like a middle finger in the air. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking a lot about this phrase that my parents used to chastise Vanessa and I with growing up. It's actually a negative term. So Omsom comes from the Vietnamese phrase, Omsom, which means rowdy or rambunctious. And it's, it's negative. Like, it's meant to be like, psh, quiet down. <laughs> and I thought a lot about, you know, Asian Americans and our place in this country for mm-hmm. so long has been as model minority, submissive, docile, quiet, used as a pawn mm-hmm. um, within larger, you know, racial and socioeconomic conversations happening on a national level. And I was like, I hate that. Like, what if we reclaim this word? You'll, you'll notice this reclamation is a big theme for us. What if we reclaim this word and make it ours and make it this gigantic like F you to the way that Asian people and Asian flavors and Asian food have long been treated in this country as diluted and compromised and washed down? What if we were just like the total antithesis to that? And once I had that heart and that ethos, I was Mm -hmm. able to pull the thread through on like, okay, what does that look like? not just with our visual identity, but also our voice and tone with our positioning. That's how proud and loud as a tagline came to be. That's actually how we think about our flavors. Like we really don't pull our punches on the spice and the heat and the umami. And it just became this like rallying cry behind every little thing in our brand. And I I even see today with my team now when we're at hard decisions, we're like, what's proud and loud? Like, let's return back to that. And and that, that for me is what like strong brands they feel cohesive all the way through. Um, And so when I think about our visual identity, right? Like it was a lot of really bold flavors. I mean, sorry, colors that represented our flavors. We also didn't want to touch anything that felt stereotypical. So we don't have red and black. We don't have the chopsticks and the panda bear and the dragons, (laughs) um, which, you know, no tea, no shade. Those things have existed for so long. Um, We just wanted to do something a little bit more eye-catching. Yes, our colors are coming from, Southeast Asian fruits and veggies, our brushstroke, our logo, our word marks are really kind of tattoo like they're really Mm -hmm. bold. Like I just, I just wanted it to be unlike anything Asian you've ever seen before. Um, and really redefine what it means to, to, to look and, and signal something as Asian. Um, yeah, totally. it was a lot of fun, honestly, as a creative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and and it shows, right? And that's and people can feel it. And and I just imagine, you know, it being oxtail and and how this would mm. have potentially changed things. Even though totally. to your to your point, it's 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 a smart name. It's a good. It, I mean, I could say it has legs, <laughs> but but it but it is a name <laughs> like that, right? Where where you would as a creative, yeah. you would think, well, this would make a lot of sense, and we can still have it be really bold and all of that. And so you know, new images come to mind. But that idea that when you go so deep, like you had to go two months before launch, and and come up with something like Umsum, which which you know, and which is so deep, and there's so much soul mm. in it. Right. And, 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 and having Thank that you. as the driving force, um, you know, what, like three, four years later, uh, you know, something like that. Yeah. Right. 
and it still it still is like that fire, which is really really amazing. So super cool, Thank super you. cool. Thank you so much. Um, envision a world without TikTok and Instagram, um, <laughs> no social media at all. How would things have been different for Omsom's trajectory? Like how how would like how important was being able to create this? almost instant connection with your community, you know, so, so quickly, like, how would it have yeah. been different? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a strange question, but I, I'm just wondering because you're so, you're so born in social media as a brand. It, yeah. At least it seems to me. That's such a wonderful question. And honestly, such like a fun intellectual exercise. I, to be completely honest with you, I think if Amazon was born in an age without social media and without the digital real estate to tell our story, I don't know if we'd be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Only because I think like, you know, for so long, especially when you look at this, you know, the mainstream American grocery store and you look at products in that quote unquote ethnic aisle, oh, yeah. they look the way they look because of the space on both like a physical, but also on a cultural level, we have allowed Asian products to exist in the mainstream and yeah. and like i don't want to shade you know the my predecessors but they had to do chopsticks and panda bears and dragons because that was the only way to communicate to americans you know like asian flavors it and asian was branded stories. right like that's how you branded quote unquote asian yeah. food right yeah and you know i would love to say that you know i have hoped that things would change without you know social media but I'm, I'm not sure that they have. We look at 2020, we look at these larger mm -hmm. reckonings around race and identity in America. And a lot of that was driven by minority communities and communities of color using social media to tell our perspective and our story. Yeah. And so I, I, I you know, I think Amsa would look so different in, in a non-digital world. You know, I totally. think we might, we would be in that ethnic aisle. We would probably be looking that, you know, designed that way and branded that way because that's what, exists and that's probably you know what the status quo is and i think it's really hard to change the status quo nowadays without the internet yeah. um so i think we would look really different i hope that you know we would still commit to the same way as we have as always to our mission i just think that's so much harder in store like oh, Amsom is the brand. That, yeah Amsom is the brand that we are today because we have the digital real estate and the community to tell our story and to really rally first and second gen Asian Americans around us. Like they are our ride or dies. They are our evangelists. They're the reason why we're here today. Um, and I just don't know what that would look like in the store. Oh, absolutely. It's pretty hard to, to show that heart and soul and mission and community uh, on a package yeah. <laughs> when you have one second yes, to look at it. Right? Exactly. So, yeah, totally. Exactly. Um, well, let's let's talk about let's talk about you you being a sister duo, the two of you. Um, mm -hmm. I had a sister duo on the show previously, and and just like I did with them, it's the obvious question. I'm sure you get asked a million times, but I do have to ask you too. How is it working with a sister? Right, like so. I mean, you have the advantage that Vanessa is not here with you right now, so <laughs> anything goes. Know, she, like, she, she's too busy. She will never listen to this. Later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Breakout session with Vanessa. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I personally think it's one of our greatest strengths as a team is the fact that we're sisters. 
I mean, people I'm sure tell you this all the time, but finding a co-founder is oftentimes like finding a partner or, you know, finding someone to marry. It's deeply intimate. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's very integrated and very intense. And I'm just very grateful that trust and love for one another is never on the table. It's always going to be there for better or for worse. Like we are tied together by blood (laughs) and, and I just never, ever have to question if she is moving and making decisions with like our best interests at heart. I just always know that that, that is a given. And that is the, the wonderful benefit of, you know, 20 plus years of, of being really close, obviously as siblings. I will say what is uniquely difficult about working with a sibling is that when things are personal, as it inevitably does during conflict and tension, it's really loaded, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Vanessa and I really struggled in the beginning of building Omsom because we would come into, you know, regular kind of quote unquote professional or business conflict, but they always felt heavier because we had all of this childhood baggage and trauma and, and stuff in the room as sisters that, you know, affected the way that we interacted with each other, where we weren't just arguing about, oh, should the packaging look this color? We also had in the room, you know, Vanessa as a little sister, maybe feeling like ignored or bullied by me growing up and me having like being jealous of her, you know, like some of that sister sibling crap that you have during your childhood still hangs around you, even though you're in your twenties and your thirties. And so we had to get really vulnerable and really honest real quick in a way that maybe other founders don't ever have to do because it's never that personal perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I'd say that's like, that's where we have challenges is like when the challenges are hard, they feel deeply personal. They feel like intertwined with like a lot of our personhood. Sure. Um, and that's sure. quite difficult to divorce. Well, and, and well, and you, you have your own individual personalities, obviously you're, I mean, yeah. you, you personally, you seem to be a straight shooter. You're a self-proclaimed internet weirdo, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you're a BDSM educator on social media. So it's like, I mean, you, you both are most probably very different, um, you know, personalities. And, and that actually gets me to the next uh, question. Um, was was the decision for both of you to become both the faces of the brand in your own unique individual ways, was that a decision you made from the get-go or was there ever a thought of both of you staying behind the scenes of the brand? And I guess mm. with the intro of like how personal this is for you both, it's most probably obvious that you always wanted to be the face of the brand in one way or the other. Fabian, you're killing me with these questions. They're so good. Well, hey, at least it's at least it's like noon in New York. It's like 9 a.m. here, you know, Pacific. Yeah. So <laughs> you're killing it. You're killing it. Um, so what's really funny is that we were never meant to be public or external facing at all. Well, that didn't when work Vanessa out. And I, <laughs> when Vanessa and I started the brand, we were like, oh, well, this is the chef story. The tastemakers are the story. Oh, right, that like, makes sense. Yeah, because you you always knew to, that's what you wanted to do, right? Like put them yes, on a pedestal, like, right? Yeah. From the start, they were the ones that, whose story we wanted to tell. They were the ones, you know, who were literally creating these flavors. And so we were not, you know, we were on the website and like, yeah, of course, we're started by, you know, two Vietnamese sisters, cool. But what was really interesting when we launched and we started talking to journalists and community folks, people wanted to hear our story. And we were really shocked by that. But I think it's because, again, we launched in May 2020. Think about the sort of conversations we're mm. having on a national level. Yep. And then also think about, you know, we were seeing 
not just with Asian communities, but lots of communities of color reclaiming their perspectives, owning their identity, being proud of it. Yeah. And I think it was quite radical to see two daughters of refugees do something so proud and loud, especially during a time, again, peak pandemic, when a lot of Asian American communities were receiving a lot of hate, right? Oh, Around absolutely. COVID. Yes. Yeah. And so strangely enough, like our story started to kind of surface more and, and people wanted to talk to Vanessa and I, and people wanted to understand like what Amsam meant. And, and so it, we never, ever set out for it to be the Vanessa and Kim show at all. Um, and strangely, people are just curious about our story. And so we've started to surface more of that and, and surface more of like what it's like to build a business with a sister and, and what it's like to build a food brand in the ethnic aisle. You know, all of that became... Yeah more and more interesting in a way that we just weren't expecting it to. <laughs> well, and, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Because it is all rooted in authenticity and individuality and, 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 and about, you know, talking about your community. And so it would be insane for you not to step out and talk about it, right? It's like, no, like, mm -hmm. we can't do this. If you're being asked, of course you will. But is it is it difficult, um, you know, specifically for someone someone like you who has, you know, who is very outspoken on social about who exactly you are? right like that's you know mm. it's just you are yourself and that's how it's going to be is is it difficult to remain true to yourself when when you're sitting in a chair being interviewed by CNN or L magazine <laughs> to not put on like that the typical brand yeah. facade and narrative um i mean i just read your L interview so i i guess you manage quite well <laughs> <laughs> Fabian, it must be it's difficult. so clear to me It's so clear to me that you are such a strong brand thinker because these are only the questions that a brand thinker can come up with. <laughs> and I'm just so grateful for them. I really just want to give you props for that. Yeah, like it it has been a deeply difficult journey back to my authenticity. And I think that's like kind of a, a consistent theme, this reclamation, this authenticity piece in the Amsam story. Because again, as the daughters of Vietnamese refugees, as first-gen Vietnamese Americans and women who have long worked in professional spheres where the majority of the folks have not looked like us, there was, by the time we started Ansam, a lot of internalized scarcity around how to show up. Mm -hmm. yeah. And building Ansam to be proud and loud has also been an exercise and challenge for Vanessa and I to kind of excavate for ourselves how are we proud and loud. So like, I am not the person I am today without Amsam because Amsam created the space for me as a, as a creative, as an individual to find myself, but it's absolutely difficult. Mm -hmm. And it's been a brutal journey. You know, there have been many times where Vanessa and I've had to hard have hard conversations of like, Hey, Kim, you're on the internet talking about BDSM using your real face and your real name. Mm -hmm. That could absolutely have a very real impact on our ability to raise funding our ability to sustain our business, to pay our team? Like, mm -hmm. is that a risk and a bet that we're willing to make? And there are a lot of founders who I completely respect and understand who are like, nah, sure, I don't need to yeah. be myself all the time. I don't want to do anything that would jeopardize Whatever's best anything. for the company. Yeah, yeah. And I, Vanessa and I are making conscious efforts to choose abundance, which is we are building a proud and loud brand. That doesn't come from nowhere. That has mm -hmm. to come from proud and loud people. And you said it yourself, The, the most authentic brands oftentimes feel like they have real humans behind them. And I'm choosing to take mm -hmm. a long-term view on this, which is that I know that Amsam has 
the capacity and the ability to be a long-term brand. And I need to make those moves now to sustain that future. And how I do that, like brand is an everyday thing. It's not, you know, the, just the splashy photo shoots. It's not just the big, you know, campaign moments, but it's built in the everyday. And I, I'm just choosing to believe that by Vanessa and I being proud and loudly ourselves in all the ways, you know, Vanessa's a DJ. Hmm. Um, I'm a BDSM educator. We are quite open. We are public. You know, you can look at our Instagrams, but we are choosing to believe that consumers, especially Gen Z consumers, see that and value that. Yeah. And that's going to be part of like the long-term health of our brand. Absolutely. It's and, a and bet, yourself. Though. It's a big bet. And yourself, yeah. right? Because I mean, the idea that, that you know, I, I mean, you should, you should literally be proud of being loud, right? Because it's like, it's so much in your, it's your brand's mantra, but it really, it's, it's, it, it, it what drives, it what drives you. Otherwise it would drive you nuts, right? To not yeah. be yourself and be hiding behind this, this, this exactly. corporate shell that you yourself created. So why create it in the first place? Right. So I think I think it's amazing. It's it's really cool. Thank you. Um, and it is difficult. It, it it definitely is. And and you know when you go through uh, Omsom's TikTok or Instagram, you can very quickly see like oh they're having fun and they're always like everything is so <laughs> exciting and it's you know and but you know it, a lot of a lot of these things are are hard. It's it's a hard decision to actually remain true to yourself like that. And so it's uh, kudos kudos to you uh, and, and Vanessa. It's 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 very cool to see. Um, Thank you. So let's um, as, as we're coming slow, slowly slowly to an end here. I want a couple more questions. One that I'm always really interested in is when when did the two of you um, feel for the first time that there was big enough of a breakthrough moment where you felt like, you know mm -hmm. what, this is no longer a bedroom startup. This is actually, yeah. this is a brand. Like this thing is going to work. It's going to happen. Like, was there a specific moment or usually it's a series of moments, but you remember one mm. specifically, perhaps. I mean, it is a series of moments, but when we launched, we sold out within 72 hours. I think I was like, oh, shoot. Wow. <laughs> we how, how, like, many, how many do you produce? 10? <laughs> I, no, we like, I don't remember. <laughs> we like, we, we launched with three sauces and we're like, okay, you know, you know, we'll see how it goes. And then it all of a sudden just started going gangbusters. And then we were on the, the, the moment for me when it was like big, big was when we were on the Today Show, maybe a month into launching. Wow. And That's we're like, amazing. oh, there's like people want Asian flavors. People are yeah. cooking at home now more than ever because of the pandemic. And people want Asian flavors that are legit and bold and yeah. really in your face. And so then we were like, uh-oh, we got we to gotta start <laughs> hiring and, and building out our supply chain more because, yeah, you know, selling out is really cool. But, you know, making sure that you have sell a pro the sellable product is also cool. You know, and, and that's the big thing when you said, you know, when, when I asked what was that big, awesome moment and like literally the moment that you said this was it. And then the next thing is the uh-oh moment. Right. So it's and that that I think is the hard thing about being an entrepreneur that you never get to celebrate the moment when it happens because the minute that amazing moment happens, you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> it's like, now what? Right? Like, it's like, oh my God, I've got this amazing press. Now we're going to make sure we have inventory or, oh my God, now I got to hire. Oh my God. Like there's always, it's really, really hard to just be in a moment and just breathe and say, 
good job us, right? This is amazing. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> it's not, it's not easy, but, uh, very, very cool. Um, on, on the other, on the flip side, uh, what was, what was that enormous brand fail that you went through? Was there something where there was a big fail? There was and and fail in 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 the celebrated entrepreneurial internet kind of way, mm -hmm. like fail forwards, and it's a good thing. But was there something <laughs> where you feel like, I mean, obviously, you know, that stuff happens like every other day with a startup. But was there something yeah. <laughs> that is, that is either either like a fun story, or you, or you look back and you're like, oh shoot, you know what? Any other CPG entrepreneur could learn from it, or any anyone else who's branding can learn from it. Yeah. Or was there something? Hmm. I don't. I guess it's kind of a fail. I mean, it was so it was a fail that happened to us. But earlier this year. I don't know if you remember when like Silicon Valley Bank. Oh yeah, kind of yeah. like collapsed. Oh, were you part? Of, was that your bank? Uh, yes, that was. Oh. Our, so it was. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna try to keep the story short because it was gnarly, to be honest with you. But Vanessa was away at a conference. I was here in New York, um, and it, it. I think it collapsed on like a Friday, and we were so busy with running the company that we hadn't like gotten our money out, and so where there's there was this really scary. I would say like 24, 36 hour time period where we were like, I think Amsam's going to die. Yeah. Because, you know, being a CPG business, we are so reliant on working capital. We had no idea um, when we were going to get the money back and, and the SEC was giving us all sorts of information and, and we were coming up to our noodle launch in May and we needed to make that timeline. We had vendors to pay. We had our, you know, our co-man to pay all these ingredients to buy, but we had no capital. And so Jeez. there was this, I remember this period of 72 hours where we were working through the weekend, literally every single person, on my team literally blessed every single one of them. We were like, all right, fuck. Like, yeah. what do we do? Like, we got to like try to find some loans. Do we put together like a crowdfunding campaign? Like we kicked into over overdrive. Yeah. Yeah really from a place of panic of like, if we don't get this stuff done, we're not gonna be able to produce in time. We're not gonna be able to get our noodles, all of this. And I remember during this, this, this weekend, my marketing director, Nina, she looked at me and she was like, what would we do that is proud and loud? And again, I, I keep coming so back good. to this. Like, yeah. That, it Star. shows you what the team is made of too, right? Yeah. yeah. And she was like, what would we do if we were proud and loud? And I was like, you know what, Nina, we would tell our community about this. We would be super transparent, put it all on the table, tell them what's going on. We're not going to die in the dark. And I just remembered, Nina was like, all right, let's do that. And so her and I worked quickly one morning to just put together like this really quick Instagram post. I, I like designed it myself on InDesign. And it was literally just like a, a single frame that was like, hey, here's, the, here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley Bank is not just affecting big tech companies. It's also affecting small startups like us. There's a chance in which we die because we do not have the capital to pay our vendors, buy these ingredients, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. We're telling you this not to like garner pity, but to show you what it's like to run a small business as women of color in during a pandemic, during a recession. Like, and so, you know, our call to action was like, go support small business. And we were just expecting, you know, like, a, you know, a couple of our community would be like, oh no. Pity. Yeah. <laughs> the post ended up going viral. It had over, I think, like 250,000 impressions and views and likes across all of our platforms. CNN called us, NBC called us, CNBC, and all of a sudden, huh. this entire community of Amsom like fans rallied around us. And I think we did more in sales that day than we had in a month. 
And it just really showed me like what happens when you return to your values. Like, yes, this fail happened to us. And this like, you know, this, the failure of the American banking system happened to us. And we were able to survive it, thankfully. And it got us the capital that we needed to like wait out the two or three weeks before we got the money Fantastic. back. Fantastic. Amazing. Um, because we just lived our values. And it was, I was just so heartened by that of like, when during hard times, like just return to your heart, you know? Yeah. And, and that helped us really, yeah, make it, make it through. <laughs> well, and you know, that whole idea of like, it gets you closer to each other. Like I'm sure those mm. 72 hours, right? Like what it did to, to you as a team and to you and your community. And, you know, it's like, once you, once you're out of this, you look back and you're, you're such a much stronger brand. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, here, here's the big question. And I have to ask this, what does branding mean to you? So you are, so Vanessa is the CEO, right? Um, you are, <laughs> you're the creative mind behind everything. Um, what does branding mean to you? It's such a sad, uh, misunderstood mm. uh, word. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there's a technical answer that my, no, I want you know, your answer. Your <laughs> Give I'm me like, your gut instinct. In school. Um, I'm sure there's a NYU professor out there who's leaping to answer that. Um, the way that I think about branding is that, oh, how do I say this succinctly? It is the universe that a customer, consumer, whatever you want to call it, aligns a, a universe and a set of values that a consumer aligns themselves with when they make a purchase. I, I, I got this. I, you teach at NYU, right? <laughs> yeah. I got this kind of, I got this really interesting piece of um, knowledge once where someone was like, people don't buy products. They buy what that product tells the world about them. Yeah. And I just, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm obsessed with that. Like this universe, like someone buys into a universe and they want to have pride in that universe and what it tells the world about them when they buy into that universe. And so when I think about Amsam, I'm like the universe that someone aligns themselves with when they buy Amsam is this like belief and vision in a proud and loud Asian American world where like Asian Americans aren't quiet and docile and yeah. silenced but celebrated. And yeah. that's, that's like, that's the Amazon brand. And that's your DNA too, right? Like that's your yeah. DNA, loud and proud. And, and yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think, I think it was fantastic. So l listen, what's, what's next for the Amazon brand? Um, what are you, what, what are you up to that you can talk about? That's exciting. <laughs> we are continuing to expand into more and more doors. Like that's really the vision for us is that we want to, become a household name in the US and we have to meet consumers where they're at. And so we're going to be continuing to expand into more kind of brick and mortar stores. So right now we are in every Whole Foods um, in the nation, um, most targets, and soon we're going to be expanding into more doors. And by the time this launches, um, we will also be in Sprouts, which I'm Ooh, really, really excited for. That is exciting. Yeah. So just continuing, you know, to, to get folks Amsam where they're world, at. world domination yes exactly <laughs> hopefully um but if anyone's listening and want to shop directly from us please you can use a coupon code hitting the mark for 10 percent off um because yeah buying direct from us is always the best way to support a brand 
Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for, for giving this to, to our audience as well. How can, how can people um, follow you, you personally and, and how can they get to experience Omsom? Obviously on omsom.com with a coupon card hitting the mark, but uh, <laughs> where can people find you personally? Yeah, for sure. I'm Kim of the internet on every uh, <laughs> social platform. And you can also get in touch with me at kimoftheinternet.com. That's fantastic. Well, Kim of the internet, this was awesome. This was uh, awesome, awesome. <laughs> really <laughs> Thank appreciate you so much. This was such a lovely conversation. I so appreciate the thoughtfulness. Um, yeah, such a fun, such a fun chat. Thank you for making the time. Of course. <laughs> Kim Pham of Omsom, loud and proud and just as enjoyable, unique and insightful as hitting the mark gets. This is why I do this show in a nutshell. I hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as I have. And if so, please subscribe, rate and share the show. Hitting the Mark is produced by my consultancy Finian, where we create clarity for brand transformations. This episode was edited, as usual, by Everett Barton, and the Hitting the Mark theme music was written and produced by the one and only Happiness One. I will see you next time, when we once again will be hitting the mark.